Eileen, welcome to First and Friends. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. This is my first podcast. So. <laughs> oh, is it? It is. <laughs> well, that's exciting. I'm I'm excited to pop your podcast, Jerry. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll be <laughs> you'll be in many more as well. Um, so I want to get right into it. Tell me, where are your parents from and where did you grow up? My parents are from Iran. People always get confused when I explain this, but they're from Iran and they came to the US, I want to say 1978, 77. And, but we are Armenian. We're Persian Armenian on the streets. So that's what we go by. And, but then that's where I struggled with my identity because technically I'm American Armenian, but we could go into that later. So when people ask you like, oh, what are you? What do you say? Do you give them I a whole spiel? <laughs> every time, even though I practice in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm American Armenian, but then I want them to know that I have so much Persian influence in my life. So I'm Persian Armenian. And then, then it, it's always like a 10 minute conversation. Oh, so you're from Iran? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm from America, but like everything we eat at home, we eat Persian food. We eat like Iranian food. We listen to Iranian music. So it's really confusing. So identity crisis at its best over here <laughs> because yeah yeah I get that I get that for sure because you're you're part you're a little part of everything so yeah. I think what's common is being like oh American oh my parents are Irish so I'm Irish oh yeah. <laughs> I'm Salvador you know like but when it comes to the country that you were raised in versus the country that you're from versus like the culture that now you're in it's totally different so I think it's cool to be ambiguous, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it wasn't when we were younger because kids would like pick on us for it. Yeah. But oh my God, yeah. It is nice. Do you speak different languages? Yes, I speak Armenian. It's my mother tongue, first language I learned. And then so I speak Armenian and English. Okay. I want to say Spanglish, but that was more in high school. So maybe a little bit of a few words, necessary words in Spanish, but Armenian and English. Mostly. Oh, cool. I said, like, when I say I'm American Armenian, I struggle with saying that I'm American because I feel like that doesn't explain anything about me at all. And so I think that is like, I like to drop it most of the time because I feel like people just assume, okay, you're already here. What are you really? Because so many times I'll go out and people are like, what are you? I'm like, um, I'm from LA. Where are you? No, where are you really from? I'm like, I was born in Los Angeles at Glendale Adventist Hospital. And I'm like, oh, you're trying to ask like why I have an accent? Get to the point. <laughs> so you're from LA. How is how is it growing up? I feel like LA is a pretty diverse mm -hmm. place, especially for my Latin community. I've always heard that like there's a huge population of oh, yeah. Latinos there. What was that like growing up? If it, I mean, where I live specifically in Glendale, it's a very heavily Armenian populated community. I want to say Los Angeles has like the second largest. Armenian population outside of Armenia. So um, my dad, my parents definitely migrated to a place where they felt comfortable, which is kind of nice because we have a very tight knit community here. So where I live specifically is not very diverse, I, I want to say. And I learned that growing up, like I, it took me a while to pick that up because I thought it was normal to have Armenian markets everywhere. <laughs> I will say I went to school in Los Angeles. I went to USC and that was a bit of a culture shock to me because I didn't realize that I haven't been, ex growing up, I wasn't exposed to a lot of white Americans. 
So it was very shocking to see a lot of people that look like Ken Barbie dolls walking. You know? Like it was, it was a culture shock. So it's diverse, but I also haven't, where I live, I live in a bubble, which I don't know if that was a great thing growing up, but. I think from like a safety and childhood perspective, it is a good thing. I definitely felt very different at such a young age, which is why I connected with your story about bringing food to school. <laughs> And being like excited about sharing your food and, you know, switching foods and then it not being welcomed. Yeah. That was what I, I felt from an early age. So when, when I, uh, when I was in elementary school, see, when I say this story, that makes me think like, okay, growing up, maybe like my schools weren't as diverse until I like got older, like more people migrated to, you know, LA, but, um, my, my elementary school, I was like one of two Armenians in our class and my mom would always pack me ethnic like Armenian snacks for lunch and looking back now I realized how much effort my mom put into it to make sure I didn't have pre-packaged snacks and so I didn't have like the typical American snacks early on I didn't have lunchables or any cool snacks to trade with and a lot of the kids in my class at snack time or lunchtime would trade they'd be like oh what do you got peanut butter jelly sandwich I got a fruit roll-up like let's trade <laughs> and I eventually got it, but I, back, like when I was like five or six, I had my like, um, I would take like ethically like dolma, which is like stuffed grape leaves or what I, what I typically had was hot soup on it, which is like bread and cheese, but it's like feta cheese. And, and so like nobody would even look my way when I was like, I got bread, bread and cheese, anybody? And they're just like, what the heck is that? No, that is not, that does not look appetizing at all. And so I had no skin in the game. Like nobody wanted to trade with me. And it was so frustrating because I couldn't relate. And I felt like I wasn't cool enough. I wasn't American enough to participate in this food trading. Like it's like in the movies, you know, they're like, what you got? It would switch. <laughs> and it's like, this is really good. You just don't yeah know. little Try do they it. know little do they know you were sophisticated as fuck as uh, a five-year-old yeah <laughs> i mean now i look back i'm like damn i took some really sophisticated dishes to school like full meat like my mom would pack us like thermoses of like there's this dish called lorma sabzi and it's like a really sophisticated stew with rice and then she'd pack me a little yogurt to eat with it and i had like i had like gourmet meals you had like a Michelin star meal and gourmet <laughs> meals. Like it wasn't just like here's some rice. It was like rice with the stew with the side and then like an appetizer and then I had vegetables. Like it was like, and then like my friends had not looking down on it, but like how the difference. Yeah. It was like I know beef jerky, crustables, like peanut butter jelly sandwich, <laughs> and maybe like a um like a what is that cheese like string cheese and then like yeah. a juice box. And I used to look at them like oh that's so oh like bologna like I don't even know what bologna is I've never tried it but like it was always like I got a bologna sandwich it was like bread bologna <laughs> mustard bread and then I would just look at that like wow what is that like I would look at it in awe and then I'm like we're here with like a like a like four course meal and now I look back I'm like <laughs> like I my meal was something to look at it was crazy <laughs> <laughs> It's so fascinating because today, I today that would be cool for kids yes, to bring that in. You know what I mean? Back then, they had no idea because there was no culture in the food industry yet, right? Whereas now, 
there's so much to learn. There's so much to eat and everyone's a foodie, but you yeah. were a foodie as a child. Like I didn't even know it. <laughs> you didn't even know it. I didn't it. even know it. And my mom was so big on making sure like, okay, eventually. And healthy we were, and healthy. Oh, so healthy. And yeah. eventually like when we voiced our opinion, she's like, Oh, you guys want Lunchables? Okay. And then she would give it. Cause like, obviously they understood, but it wasn't like my mom would be like, that's not nutritious. Here's a yeah. sandwich and a Lunchables. So like, you know, Lunchables, like it's like a charcuterie board. It's not a meal and eat this sandwich. Like it was, and I see now on TikTok, there's a lot of moms are like making lunch for my kids. And it's like a full course. And everyone's like, oh, please, you know, who's going to do that? I'm like, my mom did that. <laughs> yeah, my mom did that. I didn't have like the cute, you know, animal toothpicks. No, necessarily. No. I don't yeah. even think those were around back then. But I was like. I mean, I've cried many times while she was doing this. I'm like, my mom would do this. And I would get, like, full portions, too. It wasn't like, you know. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I wish I could go back and tell myself, like, you don't even know how much effort goes into this one lunch. Yeah. My <laughs> mom used to send me to school with, like, lentil soup, chicken soup, like, all in a thermos. And, meals. you know, other kids, like you said, had peanut butter and jelly, their bologna sandwiches. So I asked her to change it and she did. Oh. She was like, okay. You know, okay. Like, again, confused because she's like, what about the rice and beans I made last night? Like, you mm-hmm. love that. But I'm like, but I don't want to take it to school. I don't want to take it to school. And then it's just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we have this one cold cut, martadella. Yeah. Which I guess that's a common thing. Yeah. But we eat that a lot. That's like one cold cut we eat a lot. Um, and I had, it's a very common sandwich with like there's like the special like Persian pickles and it's very loaded marshmallow sandwich. And then I remember this one kid was was by my backpack and and because we had cubbies and he was like, oh, what does that smell? And I was like, oh, ew, what is that? And I was like, oh my god, it's mine. And I was like, that is so gross. And like I would participate because I didn't want to stand out. I would be like, that is ew. Who says that? Like I, I would. And I was like, oh, my God. And, like, they would try to get closer to see whose it was. And I would I would be like, okay. You're like, throwing it out. Like, have you seen my gel pens? Like, I need a distraction. Like, can't go near my cup, oh. please. <laughs> oh, my God. I would have done this. I used to do the same shit just to, like, please do not call me out. Like, no, I just no. want to fit in with everyone. <laughs> yeah, like, I, please. Yeah, and it's just, I look back, I'm like, it's. The things that would knock down my confidence, now it's, like, a cool thing to have. Like, yeah. oh, you have, like, it's, you know, like you say, everyone's, like, a foodie now. Everyone wants to show that they have sophisticated palates. And I'm, like, it's crazy. I wish I could tell you like, I started this from the beginning, you know. <laughs> like, like, we yeah, came no, out no, of the womb with sophisticated palates. <laughs> it's crazy. And, and I get that people might not want to try it because I'm not great with trying new foods that are not familiar. Like, it's just like a sensory thing for me. Yeah. Even our own food, some of our foods, like the texture is strange. I don't like it. So I understand, like, I don't expect like a five-year-old to, you know, want to eat these foods, but like to just not feel that you're one of many, like you're a minority sometimes just sucks, especially growing up. Yeah. People are like, what's wrong I- with me? I mean, like, I used to eat cow tongue tacos as yeah. a kid, but, but I didn't know. Like, I was eating I was eating tripe soup, like, and they were so good. And now people are like, tripe? Like, 
cow tongue. Like I'm not eating that, but I'm like, oh, I've been eating. It's like, yeah, welcome, you're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's so fun. I think that's something we have in common because I went somewhere and I saw, I don't know what food, like what restaurant it was, but I saw cow tongue on the menu. I was like, you guys eat cow tongue too? And, and like, yeah, we don't let any part of the animal go to waste. I eat, no, I eat chicken feet, which is so strange. My husband's Armenian, but he's so appalled by it. He's like, what the hell? Well, like, that was like a thing. Yeah, like if I, so we were good. just in El Salvador and like their the feet are just like hanging. <laughs> like we'll take but, those. Like, it's so good, and I understand. I it, and I, 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 I look. I can't look at it when I'm eating it because it's again <laughs> like a sensory thing. I get it. I totally get it. I want to learn more about your time at USC because you said that that's where everything kind of changed culturally for you, where you where there was a culture shock. What specifically do you remember stood out to you about that? There were a couple instances that I look back and realize like I felt so isolated and I didn't party too much, but I was invited to a few sorority like frat parties and. I was like, you know what, let me let me go and see what these like Americans do at these parties. This is it like the movies? And it kinda is like the movies that like sorority. It is. Like the row. USC has those frat houses. And so I really wanted to go. I went to a party and I realized like I, like okay, growing up I used to look in the mirror and think like, you know, I'm not the most uh, like ugliest person. Like I'm I think I'm like decent looking d- looking. So I used to think like, you know, maybe the guys at school would find me interesting. And not once did I I feel like I like draw people's attention. I felt like I was a minority in their eyes. I can't even explain it. Cause when I say, say this, a lot of people are like, I don't get it. You live in LA. And I'm like, yeah, but like the girl that they would go for the blonde girl with the riding boots and the jeans. And then that like one purse that everyone had, like, I was not that girl. Like I can't explain it. Like, I just felt like I didn't fit in. I'm sorry. My dog is going crazy. Um, but I can't even explain. Some of them are like, oh, well, you weren't that. Maybe you just weren't, I don't know. You weren't cool or whatever. I'm like, no, I just felt like I wasn't American enough. I can't explain what it was, but I just felt like I wasn't American enough to fit in these groups of like sorority girls. Like I wasn't like, what summer, what's, uh, we're just going to my summer house. Like my dad, you know, in the Hamptons or whatever. And I'm like, like, I didn't grow up like that. And I can't, I couldn't relate. I traveled with my family, but like, I didn't live that life i think it was just feeling like i wasn't american enough and seeing these like ken barbie dolls who were then like frat lived in these frat houses and would like the way they would talk about these girls like you can hear them in class they're talking the things they would talk about i'm like i'm never gonna be that girl yeah i i i understand where you're coming from where it's like it wasn't just american it was wealthy american maybe that's all you were surrounded about around that had like vacation houses and they got to travel and do these like bougie things i think it's also the way that some people just back then imagine who they'd be with and it'd be this mm-hmm. like beautiful mm-hmm. blonde blue-eyed person barbie doll like you mentioned before mm-hmm. um especially in la i think that is Which i'm not the used to dream. it's crazy like that typical like i saw blonde girls i'm like in my head i was like 
you're naturally blonde that's so crazy like you're not a bottle like it's not bottle blonde like you have blue eyes like you, you exist it was so weird to me i mean it was cool it was just fascinating and you know looking back now i'm like i didn't want that either for my life you know and what do you mean short what stories do you i'll share so well one thing so another example i i remembered is like um, in class, we, I remember in one of my communication classes, the like cool girls, one of the girls came in and she's like, babe, you're wearing white. She's like, oh my God, thanks for reminding me. Like it's after Labor Day. Like you can't wear white. She's like, and I was like, that's real. What? Like I, my, my mind was blown. She's like, oh my God, babe, thanks for reminding me. She's like, you know, I got you. Like, I was like, who cares what day it is? If your pants are looking good, your legs, your rear-end looks good, and it's form-fit, like, who cares what color it is? I was like, and so I looked it up, and and why it was so important to not wear white. And then this all goes back to, like, back then it was a sign of wealth and, like, how people would distinguish themselves from, like, working class, you know. And, and I was just like, I was... Ever since that day, I was just like, I'm never going to fit in. I need to just stop trying. Like, not trying to fit in, but, like, stop trying to be like them to fit in. Because I will wear my white pants. I don't care what day of the week it is. <laughs> On <what>? Labor Day. <laughs> I was shocked when, like, I, the words came Babe, you're wearing white. Like, she was like, oh, thank you. I didn't know. Like, as if you didn't put the pants on yourself. But anyway, so that's one specific example that will never, like, that will always stand out to me. I now judge people who, like, think that way because I'm like, you're, the, the, you're mental, like, the reason why you think that is because you want to separate yourself and be better than a certain group of people. Like, that is a no-no to me. You know, you're not better than anybody, especially, like, for not wearing white. Like, I'm a lower class than you. I, no way. No way. Yeah. And what was your second story? I actually dated like a white, like American person in college, my like entire time I was in college. And although I don't regret it, I learned a lot about myself and everything. And now I like the biggest issue I want to say we had was like, I felt like I, my, I was living, I wasn't able to share my whole self because I wasn't able to speak Armenian, my like, I wasn't able to share my culture. My culture wasn't appreciated as if like it was, you know, theirs. And like, and I'm like at home when we're married, I want to be my full self. And if anything, I wanted to be encouraged or loved. And, and I realized I'm like, even though I wanted to be white, white and you know, American and fit in, I'm like, I don't want, I'm not like that at home. And I don't, I didn't want that just as maybe they didn't want me to be their wife. Like we were talking about like life partners and really looking back, I'm like, deep down, I didn't want that either, even though I thought I you know, wanted it. And like now being married to somebody that's like, we share the same culture, to me, per like, I'm not saying that's how it should be. Like I have, you know, family friends that are married to like have interracial couples, like that's not the point. I'm just saying personally. Yeah. So important to me. And I wish I could tell myself that, like, don't try to be something you're not. You know, listen to your gut because your gut never steers you wrong. <laughs> no, it, there's always that feeling that you have and it's it's what works for you. And a lot of the times you want that culture. You want to be yourself in your own culture the way that your family was. So if that's important to you, that's 
what you do. For me, my husband's white, but he like loves Salvadorian culture. Like he so loves says Like he loves going to El Salvador and just he doesn't want anyone to talk to him in English. He wants everyone to talk in Spanish because he wants to learn, you know? So it's that is so important to be embraced like with yeah. open arms, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I didn't feel that way. Right. Well, that's like, what I'm saying. They yeah. probably made you feel like no. no, we have to do things the American way. And oh, many I times. Yeah. Like to like I was told if you have if we have kids, they're not gonna speak Armenian until you know they're like fluent in English, so they don't have like reading comprehension like you did. Problems. And I was like <laughs> That's the opposite. We said she's gonna so I'm I think I told you I'm pregnant. I'm having <laughs> yes. my first congratulations. She, we both were like she's speaking spanish first and she can learn english in school but we were like because it's who you are you can't yeah. ever, like i felt like part of me was not accepted and i understand looking back i also understand like maybe that wasn't what that person wanted for their life so it's like i can't right. shove my culture down their throat but also exactly. like i can't deny who i what i want either yeah and i think looking back I, I wish i could also tell myself that like when we were talking about those boys that i felt like i wasn't wanted telling myself like you should i felt want. like i had to try even more to be wanted but then i'm like yeah. hold on don't do it just because you were rejected just because you're rejected from something doesn't mean that something's wrong with you because maybe not that it wasn't meant for me like maybe like you don't want that either deep down like you know right so, like why do you want to be with we're someone both rejecting each other yeah even though they're the cool one doesn't mean that you're less than I'm like, oh, I'm also rejecting you in my head. Like that's, yeah. you know, so, but I think that's great. Like, and I think that's the beautiful thing about interracial couples who, you know, it's like you could share, but when you're not able to, right. is when you don't feel able to be your full self in any relationship, even with friends, it doesn't even have to be a marriage. Yeah. When you can't share your full self, it's like, I don't know. It's just, it feels yeah. like it's put on the facade. Like to, yeah. yeah, and that's the hard part. I think was for me, just being yeah. welcomed and loved for who you are is yeah. so nice. It's so nice, and yeah. and I almost I'm happy that I went through the experience I did, knowing that. I mean, it doesn't. My my husband could have been any other race, but just yeah. like being feeling that feeling is yeah. great. Yeah. Do you remember if you had an American dream growing up? I don't know if it was like a specific dream. Honestly, I always just, what I think fits in the American dream is just, oh, I was wanting to have my own business. And my parents, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I think everyone in their, my family, not cousins, but aunts and uncles own their own business. My mom and my aunt had a salon together. My dad has his own business. My uncles, I mean, so I just came from a line of entrepreneurs and I always wanted to have my own business. So that's pretty like the American dream. I, I feel like I'm living the American dream, which is crazy to say. And again, I wish I could go tell my younger self that like, it's going to work out. Just keep trying and going at it. <laughs> and I feel like you can have your own business anywhere, but like that entrepreneurial life and living, making something of yourself. And that was what I wanted. Yeah, so tell me more about that. What are you doing now? I'm a full-time content creator, and I make beauty content for the biggest names in the beauty game, which is so crazy. And every day, I like 
try to tell myself like god if only you could go back and say like it's gonna work out like your dreams will and and what i thought i wanted you know i used to have my own cosmetics business before i did this i tried so many different things until it worked and i i think it's just like not giving up and being consistent and it's just it's cool to just as i'm saying it out loud i'm like trying not to get emotional i'm like i am doing what i wanted (laughs) it might be hard and sometimes you get stuck in the day-to-day being upset about like oh i have to get up and film and i'm tired i'm like but this is what i wanted (laughs) yeah and that's like any job yeah you know you have to make it work and you have to inspire like motivate yourself to get up and do it but it's always worth it what inspired you to get into makeup well my mom and my aunts uh, i grew up they i want to say I, I say i grew up in their salon but i mean every friday i would go to the salon and we grew up around beauty and makeup my mom's a hairdresser cosmetologist and so beauty and experimenting was always welcomed in my house I mean, my parents would let me color, color dye my hair any color I wanted growing up. Like it was nothing was off limits. I could cut it, shave it if I wanted to. Sometimes my parent, my dad would even encourage. He's like, just shave it and see what happens. Like, it, like I could have, I had red hair. I could do whatever I wanted, which was great. Like, wow. I think growing up, I think one thing that was different culturally, my parents were so open to. I feel like they wanted us to just try everything to see what we liked, you know. And they knew at the end of the day, if we were just good people and we like focused on school and all that, like did what we needed to do, all the other stuff, like dyeing my hair or whatever was just experimenting. It didn't, you know. So anyway, I've always loved beauty and makeup. Okay. So I have to let my dog out really Yeah, quick. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want You're to, fine. I'm sorry. Um like I said, I always wanted to have my own business. And my last job that I had, I was a social media manager for a skincare company. And I've been in the social media marketing world for 10 years now, corporate world. And after I had my own cosmetics business, I just sat down and thought like, Hey, what do I like? And what do I want to do? I love marketing. That's what I studied. I love it. And I love beauty. And I was like, okay, I'm going to market myself. I create content for these corporations. Like I'm going to do it for myself and see how it goes. And what do I have to lose? Absolutely nothing. Like what's the worst happening? No one looks at my video. It doesn't really matter. right? <laughs> so I just went for it. I stuck two things. I like marketing, beauty, and myself. <laughs> what's the roadblock that you didn't foresee in this content creation journey? I would that say would the hard. burnout. I didn't think that I'd have to experience like dealing with the burnout I get. Like even now when I film, I don't film every single day because I get so burned out because I I feel like people don't realize when you're even creating a makeup look, like you're creating a piece of art and to always do it on demand is exhausting. And art is something where like sometimes you have to experience something to get inspiration, like whether you go out or listen to music and and I was reading this article and I was saying a lot of creatives, sometimes it looks like they're not working, but they, the downtime that they're doing, whether it's research or watching movies or something, getting inspired is part of the process. And even though I've been doing content creation, I've usually been working with a team or it's it's been more strategic and it's a different process, but doing it for myself, the, coming out from the burnout and learning how to 
deal with it was something I did not anticipate. And I still struggle with actually every day, every day. This might sound a little vain, but what I do sometimes to inspire myself or to tell myself, like, you've done it before, you can do it again. I'll scroll through my own feed because sometimes I, I feel like I'm so used to, I'm, re I'm represented by a talent agency. I'm with Talent X, which I'm so thankful for. Like they're constantly emailing, all right, like our next, like your next skill, like this video is due Thursday. We have a video due Friday. You have an event to go on Monday. Like it's like a full schedule. And sometimes I get overwhelmed and I'm like, can I do this? This is a lot. Or like, I've never worked with this brand before. Can I do what they want? And I'm like, okay, I'll go through my own feed. I'm like, look at all these things you've created. You've done it before. You can do it again. And I'll have to like inspire myself with my own work sometimes to remind myself. Yeah that like you can do it and i think that's a good thing for everybody to do because we're so used to like going on to the next especially with the algorithm like you have to post every day or be you know present every day and it's like it's crazy not not that i'm picasso but like imagine artists you're like all right i need 17 portraits by next week you're like oh okay it's a process like give me a minute i need this like it's better to be your own competition than to mm -hmm. have to go and compare yourself to everyone else and what they're doing. Cause I think that's also dangerous. So dangerous. you really need to look at the stuff that you're doing and inspire yourself. So I don't think it is in vain. I think it's just a reminder to yourself, like, Hey, I can do this. I've done this before. I do it really well. Here's how we're going to move on to the next project or, you know, the next video. So I think that is nice that you are able to do that and are like aware of that that's pretty healthy to do because you are yourself. And if you're comparing to others, you might be like, Oh, you know, I wish, I wish I was like that. Or what can I do to be like them? You know, like maybe I need to dye my hair. Maybe I need to like put contacts in, or maybe if I like my skin was this color or that color, and like, whatever. And, but if you're comparing yourself, you're like, I've been there. I am that person, you know? So, recreating that success you know might be easier than others. not even recreating but doing it better right or so better really, yeah better. so you're like competing with yourself you're like i gotta do this better like how do i get better at this yeah um and you're learning from your own previous projects which i think is really it's like nice. a building block versus like trying to build from scratch looking at others which is so oh my god exactly it's so much easier than said and i need to remind myself that every day yeah for sure. Can you share a milestone you've recently reached that you're very proud of? I wanted to make a name for myself to where I'd be invited to events. You know, I see all these creators get invited to, to all these um, vacations, these brands take them on all this. And I would think like, when would I be ever be like worthy to go? And which is not a good way to think because you're always worthy, even whether you're invited or not. But I just like where I wanted to get to in my career was like to be invited to these events. And like this past year, I've met so many people I've looked up to, like celebrity wise, that I, like there were those, that was my goal to do. And I was invited on my own merit, not necessarily through either my agent or like through contacts. It was like they requested Eileen and Marion. And that, when I think about, it that way like I get emotional because I wanted to be and I and I got got to it like got, a week ago I met Gwen Stefani I met Rihanna and, and it's not even it's like so lame to like name drop 
but it was it's like not. a vision I had and I'm living it. Yeah. You know, I, I accomplished what I wanted. But I think you need to celebrate that, not yeah. feel like you're name dropping. Like you did yeah. this on your own. It wasn't handed to you. So I and think you should share it. Yeah. Like I think what was satisfying is that like when I would get invites, it was like I was told like, okay, let's say a handful of people, you know, 10 people are invited and like they wanted Eileen Amirian. And I'm like, I did it. Like I me that they want it's not like oh we just need a person that does makeup it's like they want eileen specifically and that not that i want the validation but it just feels good to know that all my hard work has led to this when i say when i look back on my own videos is to remind myself to believe in myself yeah and you should what kind of impact do you feel that you've made so far for others in this industry i'll go off of comments that people have left for me um, if anyone who has ever seen my work is I like to experiment with color. I'm not afraid to wear you know, gems all over my eyes and all, all sorts of things. And I love when people comment or even message saying that you inspire me to play with color or play with makeup or, or, or I, 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 I lost my passion for make. I didn't care for makeup, but now I see this. I want to try this look and I, it makes me so happy. Oh my God. The amount of times I've cried like to myself, I'm like, I did, I, I did that. That's so cool. Cause I feel like nowadays, especially with the whole, um, it's like the movement with the natural makeup and like the people's obsession with like old money looks and all this like demure style. And sometimes I feel like my style is too loud and like I'm seen as obnoxious or whatnot. And and it feels nice to see that like the positive impact it can make is like, it's okay to be experiment. It's fine. Like, and I think that, like that comes from my parents because I was always been welcomed and it feels nice when people comment that like, they're not afraid to experiment. It's lipstick. Like you're not killing someone. Like it's okay if you wear blue eyeshadow, like it's not a big deal. You're not, it's not like you're running around naked. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, <laughs> um, these little things that make me happy, it's art. And I, I get excited that other people get inspired to also experiment. So I have one more question. I think I know what your answer is gonna be, but what advice would you give to your younger self now that you've, I mean, made it in my eyes? And now that you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and just now that you know everything that you, you know about, where you are it's hard to there's like so many answers I want to give because I feel like throughout this conversation I've, I, I, I verbally said I was like I wish I could tell myself this this and that because I'm always thinking like damn I wish as a 32 year old woman I could go back and tell myself you know it's gonna be okay like don't worry so much but I still worry every day. I'm, like, I, I'm sure after we hang up, I'm going to worry about something else. Like I'm worried, always worried. I feel like that's human nature, but, um, believing, believe in yourself in the sense that like all the credentials I have, like I graduated, this is okay. This is what it is. I always feel like every time I do something good, it's by accident. I'm like, Oh, but like, I just got lucky. I was at the right place at the right time. Like it, it didn't happen because I have the credentials to or the talent to. 
oh my god every graduating college i'm like how did i graduate with honors like i don't that that it was an accident like my teacher was probably like not paying attention and like you know gave me the air or whatever or even like how like growing my platform like it went viral i was it was probably a fluke like you know i i i'm not so and so like and it's like looking back at all the things i've accomplished and why you deserve it geez like you deserve it you deserve all the things that are to come believe in yourself and that you are worthy whatever you're work on, working on whether you're going to school or you're studying something or you're working on a project like you're putting in that effort and you believe the good things like you should you deserve the good things that are to come from it it's not by luck luck does help but yeah believe in yourself <music>